Hello and welcome to End Credits here on CFRU 93.3 FM, CFRU.ca, Guelph Campus and Community Radio. I'm your host, Adam A. Donaldson, and welcome to Nonstop Indiana Jones Week 2. As you may have heard in last week's show, we revisited um, the first three Indiana Jones movies. And this week we're going to visit, revisit the fourth and fifth Indiana Jones movie. So uh, enjoy it while you can, because after this, it's going to be all new movies, some of which you may not know about. So um, enjoy the familiar embrace of the familiar. Did I just familiar embrace of the familiar? Well, whatever. We'll sort it out. Um First, End Credits is a local movie show for local movie fans. We are here every Wednesday at 3 p.m. to talk the latest in pop culture and review the newest movies, which this week will be, uh, as I said, the 21st century Indiana Jones movies, if you want to put it that way. Indiana Jones and the Kingdom of the Crystal Skull and Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny. Revisiting Kingdom of the Crystal Skull was interesting because... I know there's a lot of internet hate for that movie that I have never understood. Is it a perfect movie? No. Is it as good as the first three Indiana Jones movies? No. Is it still a quality, fun, rollicking adventure? I think so. And, you know, Shia LaBeouf gets a lot of crap. I don't think the problems in the movie are necessarily his fault. But I think, you know... I think a lot of the issues were overblown. I think that it you know, goes back to a time when a lot of people were mad at George Lucas about the prequel trilogy, the Star Wars prequel trilogy. He couldn't do anything right, and there was all this internet noise, red-letter media, the Anna Cool News message boards, just hate, 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 hate. You know, I'm glad we got over that because, you know, things have really changed now. Ha, 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 ha. Anyway, um, so, so it was good to be able to sit down with, uh, Peter and revisit Kingdom of the Crystal Skull with some new eyes. And then as for Dial of Destiny, um, well, I mean, it, it, at least in Indiana Jones terms, it bombed. You know, one hates to think that a movie that made $400 million worldwide is a failure. But uh, when it made, took $300 million to make that movie, um, there's really no other way to look at it. And the question is... Did it deserve to tank so badly? And I don't think it did. But I think the reaction in terms of the number of people who went out to see Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny was a result of sort of changing movie-going patterns, just sort of putting out a sequel and filling it with familiar faces just didn't seem to be enough for people this year. If you look at the reaction to uh, The Flash or the reaction of The Fast X sequel or just about any sequel or or franchise that came out this year it just really seemed that the audience itself rejected those films with a couple of different exceptions so um with all this in mind uh we're going to spend this week's show revisiting those two movies indiana jones and the kingdom of the crystal skull and we'll take a break and we'll wrap up with a revisit of the dial of destiny And of course, come back here next week when we'll have all new shows, reviewing all new movies, and that's going to be really exciting. So stay tuned for more as we get into, uh, get deeper into 2024. And uh, for now, let's tackle, for one more time, Indiana Jones. (laughs) 
I were obsessed with the Mitchell Hedges skull in college. How do you know about it? Are you kidding? That's all you talked about. You talked about that thing where the cows come home. Was it just like an idol? A deity carving, Mesoamerican. There are a number of crystal skulls in the world. I saw one in the British Museum. Interesting craftsmanship, but that's about it. All right, we'll laugh if you want. Oxley said he found it this time. He said this was real, and he was off to a place called Akator with it. Akator? He said that. Yeah. You're sure? That's what he said. He said Akator. What is it? So, uh, I think we when we did Raiders a couple of weeks ago, Peter, you said it had been a while uh, since you had revisited Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. So Yes, yes. Uh, and I, I just did. And I don't know, for me, and millennial, <laughs> it definitely holds up. I still enjoy it. Um, I think there's definitely some flaws, but I don't think it holds any that uh, the first three don't have, right? Like, you know, racism, just the, the occupation being dated itself, right? <laughs> um, but no, I, I'll tell you one thing. I'll tell you what surprised me the most is how well the visuals uh, held up. Mm-hmm. I watched it and the fire ants were actually, I was still impressed with them. Even if it was a current film, if the fire ants were like that. Uh, as long as the budget wasn't like over a hundred million, I- I'd be okay with it. I'd, I'd-, I'd accept it. Uh, I wouldn't judge the film. So, I'd say that was my uh, the most dominance. What what took me aback in the rewatch? Um, but honestly, like Shia LaBeouf, um, I don't think he was awful. I enjoyed hmm. him. I really think a lot of people just didn't like his son being a greaser. <laughs> I guess being being someone who's I guess that they were tempting to be cool. Um, because I guess, and I, I don't mean this in like the right, the like the subculture. There's a lot of nerd uh, Indiana Jones fans, right? So I could see mm. why they did not enjoy Shia LaBeouf. Um, but I, I think his character has a lot of uh, lovable qualities. You know, I think uh, he's in the right a lot of the time. So I'm glad that he, you know, reminds Indiana Jones that he referred to him as, as son too quick. You know, he's he's a bold man, but about real things. He cares about family. He loves his mom. I don't know. I just I don't fully understand myself. What was so hateable about him? Why 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 so many hated him? Um, did did you hate Mutt? Were you a Mutt hater? I didn't hate Mutt. I I think there are a couple of things. I I think first to to go with your point. I think the whole greaser thing is a little on the nose. Um, the uh the the part where he comes riding in like Marlon Brando and. I think it's the the wild one um, that that is a direct homage to when he comes in on the motorcycle wearing the the, the pork pie hat and everything in the leather. Yeah, dress. yeah, exactly. I, I guess you can argue that um, Kingdom of the Crystal Skull made um, the decade more made elements of the decade more prevalent than in the first three. So kind of pushed it into your face that yeah, like this is the 50s. yeah yeah. Whereas in the other one, sometimes like it's set the times it's set isn't fully clear like the villains are like always the nazis you can tell it's like the 30s but it's not uh (laughs) other elements of the 30s aren't like shoved into your face right um whereas yeah the leather jackets the direct references to uh 50s films that you're talking about um a little in your face but like i i think it's also how they show that he's a kid like he's a teen like he's still a young and of course like the culture of the 50s is going to be more present mm. um but yeah they definitely uh make that too much of a heavy focus i think that's what's um 
that was one of the things I noted when I saw the movie in 08. Uh, and that I actually find less annoying now is that that like nostalgia trip for the 50s and the, that rubbing in your face, like at the scene at the beginning where he's surrounded by the Russians and Kate Blanchett <laughs> says any last words. And he says, I like Ike. That's like, uh, that's a little uh, that's a little too on the nose. <laughs> yeah, no, no, for sure. There's definitely lines <laughs> like that. I think, though, it's maybe partially or if it's in the upcoming one dial of destiny it definitely will be purposeful mm. it's trying to make it clear that not campy but that like it's it's an adventure so there can be some more i guess cliche lines but you know what makes you know what makes i don't know well have speaking as uh someone who has seen dial of destiny i i will say what the thing that makes it work is that um Indiana Jones is in full crotchety old man mode so that um, when he's like confronted by stuff like, uh, you know, the, the hippies next door playing loud music on the, the day of the the uh, ticker day parade for um, the Apollo 11 astronauts, it's, it's done from a place of like, <laughs> of, you know, oh, look at these kids and their rock music kind of vibe. Um, yeah, but I, I think it was trying to do that in Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. Not necessarily that he's against it, but that, like, he is the older generation. There's, you know, the yeah. world is, is changing. Um, but I can, especially now with Dial of Destiny, what you just said, I can see that not being clear enough of the point. And yeah, it's just kind of coming off as campy lines. Yeah, there's there's definitely it be, it feels too specific in places, which I I think. But to get back to the Shia LaBeouf of it, um, I think I I'm not sure he was correctly cast. I understand why Shia LaBeouf was cast. He was kind of the it boy of the moment. You know, Spielberg was a mentor, um, because Spielberg, you know, was the executive producer of Transformers, and so there, there was a definite sort of uh a bit of mentorship there i think when you look at the mutt indie relationship and then you think about the relationship between indy and his father um there's this through line in in that other relationship where it's like they're kind of two peas in a pod even though they kind of loathe to admit it um they both sort of end up in the same field they they both have these sort of <laughs> you know they both are you know allow themselves to be seduced by the same woman nazi woman um that, that there's there's this feeling like they're, they're they have more one of the reasons that there's a friction in their relationship is because they have more in common than they want to admit and i think in the mutt indie relationship it's just, it's maybe too much of look at how different this kid is uh compared to although he also I, I, wasn't there where Shia LaBeouf was there for more of Indiana Jones' childhood, I think. So, mm. right? No, Indiana Jones wasn't in his life at all. No, no, no. But I mean, like, Sean Connery's character was in Indiana oh. Jones' life, right? Not right. like yeah, yeah, to yeah, an yeah. old age, but yeah, he definitely that's was. Right. So, yeah, of I mean, course, that, there's going to be more similarities. I, no. I do want to say, like, uh, Indiana Jones' job, he's a, well, you know, uh, I guess archaeologist, uh, mm -hmm. archaeologist. And, um, <laughs> You know, uh, that's physical work, but mm -hmm. related to, you know, I guess uh, the arts or sciences, nature. Uh, and Charlotte Booth, the character, uh, Mutt Williams, is an engineer, right? Related to construction and related to, uh, you know, like sciences. There's, there, there's some similarities and they both have a, a warm heart, you know, mm. how to throw a good punch. So. Mm -hmm. 
there's some similarities, but yeah, I guess not as well displayed as, as Sean Connery and Harrison Ford, Indiana Jones and Jones yeah. Sr. I think there's some moments where, where Harrison Ford and, and Shia LaBeouf have a good chemistry, but I, I just, it's um something about it just doesn't quite work. But I think Shia LaBeouf gets unfairly maligned for that. I think he, he did about as well as anyone was going to do in that part. Uh, oh, absolutely. So who, what, what actor, is there anybody in particular you think could have done a better job? Is there any kind of characteristics? Do you think he should have been like bulkier or, or <laughs> like, I don't know. I can't really, because he was a greaser. Is it just because he's uh Shia LaBeouf? Like, I don't know. It could be the LaBeoufness. I, yeah. it, it could be, I mean, it could be also, I've seen those transformers movies he's in one too many times that mm-hmm. it's like the for to associate him with like this like screaming man child yeah <laughs> whereas for my whereas for my generation i think because even stevens even though oh, like yeah, we watch transformers yeah. too it's always going to be even where he is more of a genuinely just good actor in it so i think that might have been part of the reason my gen did like getting the crystal skull more but i i absolutely because of Transformers, of course, it, it it is hard to view him as someone else, or at least get rid of the mindset Transformers gives you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but but overall, I you know I think it could have been it could have been worse. Um, uh, you well, you'll you'll we'll discuss it more when you review it. But um, you know, was there any kind of Shia LaBeouf equivalents in the newest? Was there any kind of casting you looked down upon or? Uh, no, I think, I mean, I don't look down on the casting of Shia LaBeouf. I, I, I think that where Dial of Destiny benefits and, and the thing I, that still kind of sticks in my craw about Kingdom of the Crystal Skull, Dial of Destiny at least feels like it was a vision everybody was dedicated to 100%. Yeah. So, okay. um, you know, when you like character Phoebe Waller bridge plays. There's the, the villain played by Mads Mikkelsen. Uh, there's kind of like a hench villain played by Boyd Holbrook. Um, who else is in there? Uh, Banderas. And uh, I mean, everybody feels like they're working off the same page. And if you go back, you have to go back into the history of kingdom of the crystal skull, where it's like they were working on a script from since like 91. It went through like several iterations, uh, you know, Big writers from like Frank Darabont to, to Jeff Nathanson all worked on it. Um, and what eventually at the end of the day, because Lucas had his mindset, it's going to be 1950s and we're going to do aliens. And Spielberg and Ford were both like, no, we don't want to do aliens. <laughs> but Lucas is like, well, I'm the executive producer. So what I say goes. Um, that was my George Lucas impression. Uh, <laughs> Good. They, they get this. They get this compromised story and script that everyone's like, okay, we want to do an Indiana Jones movie. George wants to do aliens. Mm. We all want to do something different. So this is, and and this is how you get kingdom of the crystal skull, which is a movie about searching for aliens where no one ever uses the word alien. And I think that's the, like, if you're going to go with aliens, just use the word, just use the, like no one says UFO, no one says spaceship. And then there's the thing at the end where um, 
you know, it's like, oh, they're not aliens. They're interdimensional beings. They're traveling in space between spaces. It's like, come on. It's a UFO. <laughs> this is a UFO. This temple is a UFO. Just admit it. <laughs> Just, Just it's going it. to Be space. Brave. Be <gasps> brave and admit it. Say that word. It's going back to its home planet. <laughs> Just, yeah. Just say it. <laughs> Though I will say I like the scene. I like I do like that scene in the end where the UFO is spinning up and it's like all the debris is like spinning around it and then the UFO kind of like disappears and the like that that's a, a really beautiful effect shot. Um Yeah, it, yeah. It's uh well and actually uh, funnily related to uh what we'll be reviewing. But um yeah, that's true, that, that, true. if it was a totally separate film, like a lot of the alien parts in Kid of the Christmas Club would be great, but it's just yeah, you know who it is, you know it's an Indiana jones and it just does not yeah ever fully fully work um i mean there's I'm a way they could have done it only, the only great thing about them not seeing alien and you mm-hmm. even though they like have it with them you don't see the crystal skull too much sometimes you kind of forget while watching the adventure going on that it's like alien theme because you know you just i at least i think go where they're going it's like a temple you know i i i don't it being an alien they're going towards isn't doesn't overtake my enjoyment of whatever the adventure is they're doing but you know maybe that's just me well i mean it, it, just because it's a crystal skull it doesn't mean that mean have to be alien but um i i think I, you're you know you're right it's like it's an indiana jones adventure built around this conceit that nobody wants to fully invest in and you know <laughs> there there's like the whole thing with the trekking through the jungle and the the whole the, the temples guarded by the living dead and um like even the end like the the Kate Blanchett character the the Soviet scientist who's uh Elena Spilko that's her name um the, the fact that you know she get, her end comes with as is what kind of in both Raiders and Last Crusade um where the villain gets what they want in the end and it destroys them yeah like even that's fitting with an indiana jones story it's just it just sticks in my craw it's like it's an alien just call it an alien it's okay if it's an alien it's okay if that's what you want to do it's an alien but just just do it and i i i do wonder at the same time how much of this movie had kind of like the unintended side effect of adding credence to like ancient alien i mean i i love that show it's a guilty pleasure but um i I do wonder how much responsibility that has in terms of putting gasoline on that fire oh are you referring to that history channel show yes yes oh okay i yeah i'm very i'm very curious i'm very curious um i have a what would that have been airing around 2008 when this came about it's like in season 19 so it was like just yeah definitely Hey, I don't know. It wouldn't surprise me if they had it playing in the background in like the writer's room or something. That that's yeah, that's fine. I didn't think of that. Hey, it's related to more uh, in that show. It is related more to uh, like ancient history and such, just like Indiana Jones' uh, favors. So, mm-hmm. Interesting. Mm-hmm. interesting. You know, maybe George Lucas had, you know, is he a genius? Was he above the other? Was he he ahead of them? Was he ahead of his times? Um. That's that's a good debate for another time. But um, I'm curious. Did you watch this on Disney Plus or did you? Yeah, I watched it on uh, Disney Plus. Okay. Um, Why is it? Is it different than? Well, I have a DVD copy and the version on Disney Plus has a better 
like coloring and saturation like in, in the original version oh, okay okay it has um, this kind of very soft light kind of soap opery look soap opera look to it i don't know why i said soap opery but uh, <laughs> it has this kind of like soft light look to it which it was yeah it was beautiful well like i said the first thing i noticed was how it still uh, holds up visually right so that might be uh in part due to the disney plus version they've ch- yeah they've changed the coloring a bit which is something i immediately noticed um and i th- i saw somebody online say like adds a whole star to the movie i don't know if i'd go that far but it definitely makes the movie look better um and, and kind of makes it less I don't know if it was annoying the way it looked before with all that soft light, but it was just something like I could never get out of my head watching the movie. It's just it's like this looks so badly lit. This like well, it's so oversaturated with light. It's it's just kind of an irksome and and I'm so watching it on Disney Plus. I found was a, a an improved experience. Yes, absolutely. I kind of want to watch it now on DVD though, just to see uh, how much of a difference I notice. Yeah, it's I I I watched a bit of it. I put on the DVD after I'd watched it on Disney Plus. I put on the DVD, and it's, it's immediately noticeable. Okay, interesting. It's an immediate improvement. Yeah. yeah. So, would you still, with your rewatch, would you still say it's your least favorite of the? Uh, well, I guess you've seen all of them, though. Is it still? Would you say the worst, objectively worst, your least favorite? <laughs> I would. I would say Temple of Doom is objectively the worst, but I do understand people definitely not loving Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. I mean, it's. Um, I, I do I, think millennials though enjoyed it more than uh, the other gens, and I do think there's been like a recent, you know, like Entertainment Weekly, like Variety People mags about um, uh, how we should kind of look back on on Shia LaBeouf's character. Mm. Um, you really enjoyed the newest, so you know I, I understand you maybe not agree with that, but yeah, so that's I part think, of the reason I, why I, think I really lo- don't think yeah. it's the worst. I think a lot of it is yeah, what you grow up with, and I think that's the same with the star wars movies like there are a lot of young people who were kids when the prequels came out like that's their star wars experience and there's going to be a lot of young people who went to the theater when the sequel trilogy came out and that's going to be their star wars experience so like in, i'm sure in 10 years you'll be hearing about people like you know rise of skywalker wasn't so bad but um yeah for sure oh well like yeah revenge of the sith uh once it was my generation that became you know uh like writers for uh Hollywood papers, you know, about Star Wars. Even Hayden Christensen started to get a bit more respect, you know? So, yeah, you're mm. absolutely right. It just depends on, I guess, who whatever the generation is loving and who the film's <laughs> being directed towards. No, it's true. Um, and I, I, I find ranking the Indiana Jones movies kind of like a hollow exercise because and I, and I wrote about this recently. You know, it's all the lists are essentially the same. It's like Kingdom of the Crystal Skull and Temple of Doom. And then whether or not Last Crusade or Raiders is your your number one, I think, again, largely depends on um, which which one you saw first and or which one you saw in the theater. Like for me, I saw Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade in the theater. So it may be like a personal favorite. Like, cause mm-hmm. it's, it's, you know, it's a very personal memory for me it's because it was you know me and my dad it was like literally the last day that the movie was in theater so it was just me and him in the theater watching uh, last crusade yeah uh, okay well that's fair yeah um, that's that's absolutely fair but I, I i at the same time i'm like well i i can't ignore the technical excellence of raiders and like none of the movies have been been able to catch that no uh, no um but yeah i mean is is kingdom of the crystal skull is it as good as the 
first three movies? I don't think so. But on the other hand, um, and, and I have this feeling about the Dial of Destiny too. Um, uh, it, it, I saw it less than twenty four hours ago, so I'm I'm still not exactly mm-hmm. sure where it falls in the the paradigm. But um, it's it's perfectly entertaining. But I think it, it, one of the things it has in common with Kingdom of the Crystal Skull is that it's like not of its time. It's like the Indiana Jones movies are a very, I mean, yes, people have been enjoying them for 30 years, 30, 40 years, but they are very much of their time that they were made by filmmakers who were interpreting the things they saw as kids and, and um, creating new things out of that. Nowadays, we're, we're not even doing that. We're not even doing like the, the the successor to Indiana Jones. We're still making Indiana Jones movies, and yeah, we're not at the uh, you know point where we're doing prequels and such. Instead, no, we're still yeah, just the direct lineation of uh, yeah. Indiana Jones, <laughs> right? So it's uh, that that's the other thing, and I don't want to make this too much about Dial of Destiny, but you know, it, it, going into it, I was not that, in, I was enthused, or I, I wasn't even as enthused as I was going into King of the Crystal Skull because it's just like well. It's, Lucas has sold his stake. Lucas isn't involved. Spielberg bailed. Um, so I mean, well, you, you like Mangold too, right? I like I like Mangold a lot, and I think he did a really good job um, uh, on Dial of Destiny. I I think um, he I think that's one of his gifts as a filmmaker is being able to take whether it's Wolverine or this, he's able to take things that um, have enormous pressures to succeed and please and have have an all audience um pleasing reaction and he's able to deliver um but i i just going into the going into it i'm like lucas is bailed spielberg is bailed you know ford's taught like all harrison ford it's my last one it's my last one it's it feels like an obligation so how how can it sort of compete with what's come before at least on kingdom of the crystal skull everybody wanted to be there no matter how you feel about the story or, or or how it turned out um that wasn't the case with Dial of Destiny. And so I I wonder in the future revisiting that movie where it sits next to Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. D- does it start to show more of its bones over time as opposed to Kingdom of the Crystal Skull, which I think people are rightly looking back looking back at now and going, you know what? Is there goofy stuff like with the groundhog at the beginning? Or like with- <laughs> Yeah, right, the groundhog. <laughs> When but, mud is like swinging through the trees, or when like Ray Winstone is constantly screaming Jonesy, um, yeah, <laughs> yeah. But, but there's I, the more there's the more evident to the the one I love though, but that is a little camp is when in the diner it's literally the one side's all greasers, the other all jock, and they they have like a fight. <laughs> that's that's I think one of the good examples though where it's like sappy but works. Yeah, um, and maybe like there's it's like that it, Dial of Destiny possibly or. Well, and that leads into like a really great action sequence where they're being they're the chase through the streets of exactly. New Haven. It's fine. It's fine if it if it intertwines well with with the plot. And yeah, mm. I think that's a good one. But one that I can also see viewed as being kind of campy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like there, there's a lot of good like, there are a lot of good action sequences, like the sequence in the warehouse where he escapes and and they end up on the rocket sled thing. Um, you mentioned it before, like the fire ants. That's still a really great sequence with um, when they're running from the fire ants and uh, John Hurt pulls the the shroud from the skull and the ants go around them and so they're surrounded and, by uh, these. 
waterfalls too. The waterfalls are really well done. The, the waterfall, waterfall sequence is good. Yeah. Yeah. And I love the temple stuff. I love like the the secret, like having to solve your puzzles through as as you go through the temple and uh, the various death traps and things. I, I think a lot of that is is really well executed. It's, I, but I think... with objective flaws. But sure. and that is why it's it. Like you said, everybody's looking back at it and why that's important to do. Mm-hmm. Our mindset of what the focus on is has changed. Hmm. Yeah. It's. I, I think people were focusing on like nuke the fridge became a thing and it's like is that any more ludicrous than anything else that has ever happened in an Anna Jones movie like there was this like there's a scene in the temple of doom where they rip out a guy's beating heart while he's still alive and then lower him into lava I mean is that any less ludicrous than Indiana Jones stuffing himself inside a lead-lined fringe to escape a nuclear explosion no I'd say it's actually if anything maybe even more ridiculous <laughs> <laughs> right <laughs> you know it's people got hung up on i think a lot of the wrong things that and now those flaws won't be the focus exactly yeah you know yeah. yeah i i i think i mean i was always kind of soft on indiana jones and the kingdom of the crystal skull i wasn't one of those people like you're ruining it you're ruining it it's <laughs> i always i always appreciated it as the fun adventure that it was i think i probably slightly appreciate it more now as a matter of craft especially since they fixed the darn coloring but um i i think i don't think it is i don't think it as a lesser or, or strictly in terms of it being a lesser product than the previous three films i think it i don't think it reaches that those highs of especially of raiders but i also don't think it's like the the redheaded stepchild. It's not the cousin Oliver of the franchise that I that I think it got treated as in two thousand and eight. No, no. Uh, any additional thoughts about Kingdom of the Crystal Skull? Um, no, pretty much everything you said spot on. It it, it uh, has some objective flaws, but some objective greats too. And I'm glad it is getting a reanalysis. Um. And yeah, no, I, I, I personally, I think especially like for the millennials, it's uh, it really works well. Mm-hmm. I also want to point out too, it was the second highest grossing film of 2008 behind the dark Knight. Only the dark Knight made more money in 2008 than Indiana Jones did. Okay. Yeah. So I, I, mean, I, th- I thought it still did good. I saw it in theaters, I think maybe even twice. So <laughs> there you yeah, go. So it's, it's, it's a bit of a, Pharisee that this was like a a black mark on the franchise it was it was it it was extremely popular um we haven't really given her due i'm just looking over my notes to see what we might have missed we haven't really given her due but like kate blanchett as the villain i I... really wait you liked a lot i liked her a lot yeah i guess i don't know her (laughs) i would say her accent is a little not great um mm. mm-hmm. i don't know i think her, but i guess she's supposed to be like more of a campy evil nazi villain mm-hmm. um similar to raiders of the lost ark i guess I, a, I i don't know i think it could be a little over the top sometimes i think i think that suits it though i think um i think the, the film needed something a little more over the top a, a, and i think it sort of raises to the level again the whole we're not they're aliens we're not calling them aliens things um 
<laughs> it feels a bit odd that Spilko never says the word alien either. Um, <laughs> because she very clearly is with it and she's like talking about Roswell and all that. Also, um, I've noticed people uh noting her hairstyle in the film and then noting Michelle Williams's hairstyle in the Fablemans as Spielberg's mom. <laughs> okay, probably yeah. <laughs> reflection off of each other so you yeah. think her do you, so would you, or would you say her hair uh kate blanchett's hairstyle is based on his mom i don't know i just uh people have been pointing out that it's a bit weird that michelle That's... williams playing spielberg's mom has the same hairdo as kate blanchett in so does that mean his mom was like not not see like that's interesting anyways um <laughs> well it's, I, it's I, I russians know. remember it's russian i think it just depends on how you want to view the the villain and if you want to view her as an over-the-top just objectively antagonistic individual i get it i think her accent could come off a little not great and not in a purposeful way so kind of like um mm. uh ryan gosling notebook sort of thing mm. um <laughs> but yeah it's good to know that there is people like you that uh enjoy your character in it i i think i i think all the characters to an extent all the villains to an extent have been a bit over the top and uh i i'm i'm, I'm fine with it anyway i, I do like- appreciate her roswell comment i do enjoy um the evidence she gives towards it being aliens you know we get the most from her and, and i do like that um mm. it's a good way of showing too how like yeah she's working with the nazis or whoever they are but she the uh, soviets has the soviets yeah and she has her own uh plans she's got it she's got her own plans too she's, she's an independent individual Something else from your apartment. It was under the bed. Thanks, Sola. I also brought my passport. I could help you. In Tangier. Whatever chance takes us. Inti, I. I miss the desert. I miss the sea. And I miss waking up every morning wondering what wonderful adventure the new day will bring to us. This is not an adventure, Sala. Those days have come and gone. Perhaps. Perhaps not. Give them hell, Indiana Jones! Alrighty, that was a clip from Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny. It's the newest film from James Mangold, and it stars Harrison Ford, Phoebe Waller-Bridge, Mads Mikkelsen, Antonio Banderas, John Reese davies Toby Jones, and Karen Allen. I am so glad that Candace uh, wanted to visit this, because I've had a lot to say about 
Dial of Destiny and a lot of conflicting feelings about it. But let's let's get to Candace's feelings first, mm-hmm. um, because you you saw this like on a Murderer's Row day, like <laughs> just like nonstop I, I hits. <laughs> I did. So yeah, I went to the movie theater. I I took myself out for my birthday and I went to the movie theater and I didn't go home for like I don't know ten hours or something. <laughs> so I saw the uh, the Meg. What is it called? Meg two colon the trench that's right i want to talk about how second films are titled that's a weird one that's yeah so i I saw the second meg movie i saw barbie and i saw indiana jones um and i went to the theater i don't like going to because uh uh, indy was only playing at that one Mm -hmm. and so i went okay well let me just see if i can make this timing work and it worked so that i could see the the six o'clock showing of this movie and God, thank God I saw the six o'clock showing because this movie was long. Mm-hmm. It was hard for it to be the last one <laughs> in my in my section. It was uh it was a little too long for me. Uh and I went into it going, hmm, that's a troublesome time to sit in the theater and watch a movie, but I'm gonna do it because it's Indiana Jones. Um and I came out uh Enjoying it, but wishing that it was twenty five minutes shorter. Mm. Hmm. Yeah, I think that's correct. I mean, there's there's a great there's the great chase through the streets of New York where he gets on the horse and Boyd Holbrook chases him on a motorcycle and they end up in the subway and I I was surprised like how short that sequence is and then you get this like mm-hmm. really long chase in uh tangier uh <sighs> tangier yeah we're yeah. you know we're trading we're going back and forth on different motorbikes and things and it just seemed like there's kind of no pace to it um, yeah i i really i mean i hated that chase scene while i was watching it <laughs> i was like we get it you paid to rent the entire city like it's fine i don't need to see the whole city and like even the sort of character bits when they were going back and forth i was like this is all none of this is new information i don't know why that Mm. particular chase scene they felt had to be so long and it wasn't even um you know, we've we've obviously we cover you covered all three of the other uh, Indiana Jones films, um, <laughs> four. But you know, you and I talked about the Last Crusade, and we did talk about how great their chase scenes are, and how like yeah. sort of slow moving and dramatic. Yeah, they are. But you can still feel tension. But all of the chase scenes in this film were on rather high speed uh, right. vehicles. Yeah, and too long, and also you know edited in the modern way, so mm. they weren't even interesting to watch. Well, I mean, then there's bit like the, you, you can split up all those actions. You was just thinking about Last Crusade. They're in sections, like in the uh, in the the Venice part. They're like in the underground, and they're running from the fire, and then they come topside, and they're being chased by the other guys, and then they get into boats, and then the 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 one in the desert later, it's Indy on horseback. Indy gets on the tank. Indy um, almost falls off the tank, and he's back on the tank fighting the guy. So you get these like breaks of like the action. It, it, it's essentially one action sequence, but there are 
there's different challenges, different stakes. And this th- this one in Tangier and Dial Destiny we're talking about, it's just they're just driving around and around and around and around and being chased by the same. They're chasing one car and they're being chased by another car. And there's this kind of no. And I don't know if that's because, you know, because of, of Harrison Ford being 81 and being sort of limited in in the action. I mean, that's certainly a consideration. But um, yeah, there, it just there's not much going on in that scene and it's i don't know i don't know because to me that's where the movie kind of turns it's like there's a good momentum in the movie till they get to that sequence and then it feels like uh, a slog to get to the finish Mm -hmm. line a bit yeah yeah i definitely felt it and it's funny because most people sort of agree and i agree that sort of the final um uh sort of set piece Mm-hmm. when they actually use the dial and mm-hmm. end up in the past um i actually became very invested again and really liked that yeah me too yeah uh, but previous to that you know uh india's shot and they're on the plane and i was just like okay i'm like checking my time to see how much <laughs> longer the film is going on like it was really dragging mm-hmm. and it kind of it kind of takes away from that great scene at the end when they're they're back in time even though i mean i mean all <laughs> indiana jones movies are cheesy let's let's be realistic sure but there was yeah. something quite cheesy about that right just the the eureka moment and you know meeting you know a a, a hero from history and that sort of thing it was kind of um it was a little mm-hmm. disney-esque i'll say yeah. But also that does happen in these movies a little bit. Like not so much that kind of feeling, but some of that sort of silly silliness. Yeah. Yeah, it it, it does revisit that idea that um the villain always kind of gets what they want, which is a thing that happens in every Indian Jones movie that the villain mm-hmm. gets the thing they want but not in the way they thought they were going to get it. Yeah. So you have Donovan getting the fake holy grail and you know turning into dust. You have Belloc opening the uh the Ark of the Covenant and exploding and um even in even in Kingdom of the Crystal Skull, uh the Kate Blanchett character, you know, t- tells the alien she wants to know everything and that blows her up and it's yeah. it, it, that that's always been key to the thing. And I kind of yeah, I, I think it pro- that's another thing that could have been cut down. They didn't necessarily have to crash land and meet Archimedes and uh, like having the kid come along and the, having the, the talk about Chekhov's like fake cockpit setup, um, <laughs> but, but <laughs> that like that that was kind of a bit much to to, to, to just have like it, it would have been I think it would have been so much cooler if it just like had come through the porthole and saw the scene and managed to make it back again because it's it, it it's a little much I I think. I think so much of this, and I don't know how, you know, kind of what was going on. They had four screenwriters credited for the thing, but, you know, it, it just seemed like we're trying to hit all the notes and, you know, mm-hmm. we're trying to maximize the budget. It's like, like they didn't need, ultimately didn't need the help because I think one of the, the problems with the film is that the, the COVID-19 protocols have had budgetary impacts on a lot of different movies, but it just, it felt like we need to, we we really need to show the budget. We really need to show we spent money on this. Like it's not enough to just make an Indiana Jones movie. We have to make a really ultra expensive Indiana Jones movie, which yeah, 
and and on that too, I, mm. I didn't really. I also didn't like the. We also have to bring everybody in and all yeah. the all the like all the notes, all the the Indiaisms. We have to bring it all back. Like yeah, Sala showed up, and I was like, God, they got John Reese Davies into this. Like why? Yeah. Especially why? Because like he literally did nothing. He was just a cameo. <laughs> Yeah, and then bring in Antonio Banderas later. It's like, okay, we can have Sala or we can have Antonio Banderas. We don't need both. Yeah. Like, <laughs> just make it make it one person. Yeah. 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 It's yeah, it, it that that's that's does seem to be the thing, right? It it just, you know, they couldn't bring Sala back for um Kingdom of the Crystal Skull, which was another one of those things that it seemed like we're we're bringing stuff back to um because we can and, and uh, there's a lot of that to this movie i agree like the whole yeah. sequence like the, the whole, like the first half hour maybe that makes too much giving it too much credit but it's easily a 20 minute sequence that takes place in world war ii mm-hmm. and it feels very much like we, we've been talking about like what did indiana jones do during world war ii like it was kind of alluded to in crystal skull um that he was part of oss and like all the like all you know what was he doing you know behind enemy lines and so on and so forth and it's like well now we can do it because we could dh harrison ford and we can a- a- now actually show it so it, you know it, it, there's definitely a feeling like we can in- indulge in this bit of extravagance because we we now have the technology as opposed to you know I- i'm not sure how much of that you really need um if you need the entire sequence uh, if you need to get, you know, poor Thomas Kretschmann out to play like a, a Nazi stooge for the one hundred and one time, it's <laughs> <laughs> talk about typecast. <laughs> talk about typecasting. It's like we have a German character. What's Thomas Kretschmann up to these days? Um, yeah, it, it it just it it feels very extravagant and self indulgent, and you know, I, yeah. And I don't know who it's for because yeah. I would say that. Most fans of Indiana Jones, so first of all, the third film, The Last Crusade, did a lot of that also. Mm-hmm. And it was meant to be the end. And so they they did that. It kind of brought things back. It was a little bit, you know, as we talked about, a little bit of a course correction maybe after Temple of Doom, but mm-hmm. also kind of a like, well, this is the last one we're going to make. And so let's, you know, bring back our friends, bring back Indy's friends and Harrison Ford's friends and, you know, the... <laughs> The filmmakers friends yeah. and let's just like have a good time and and have it be done and then crystal skull came and they were like well everybody wants more indiana mm-hmm. jones so we better do this mm-hmm. and now it's just like did they i don't think they did any of this for the fans i don't think any of us fans needed salad to come back or needed to see what indy was doing in world war ii i don't think like that any of us were particularly asking for that we we're just or even mm. that we needed to see marion that was a whole other but like mm-hmm. we just wanted one last adventure mm-hmm. and it could have been one last adventure in like a very literal sense they had an opportunity to to do something really mm-hmm. quite interesting with the ending mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and decided not to and that's fine like i don't think that it was a mistake that they didn't leave indie in the past yeah i don't think that was a mistake but i also think it could have been interesting if they did it and it would have really i think it might have been a nicer 
cap on everything than mm. going and here are all your favorites back again. Here, we'll even redo this scene and redo that scene and we'll do this scene, but flip it over. I'm like, I don't know. It's, yeah, so much of this, I mean, you you made that it's not for fans comment. I don't know how else to explain the uh, <laughs> the mutt. I don't know if you want to join my hashtag justice for mutt movement, but uh, <laughs> I mean, it's not like Mutt was a great character. I don't think Mutt was a great character. I don't think Shia LaBeouf was really great. I understand. I, I, I mentioned this when we were talking about Crystal Skull. Peter and I were talking about Crystal Skull. I, I 100% understand why Shia LaBeouf at that time got that part. Um, Spielberg was you know, one of his patrons. Um, he he was you know, like an emerging talent at the time. Um, so I I hundred I hundred percent understand why. Having said that, he wasn't great in the part Shia LaBeouf. The part itself was kind of underwritten, but there was still good stuff. I mean, we talked about the scene in the malt shop with him and Indy. That like there that, that was a really great scene. Uh, good character work with those two. The whole idea like. I mean, I understand Shia LaBeouf also has like deep-seated personal issues he's trying to work through, which is why he doesn't work very much anymore. But still, like, just like it's a very Poochie's dead moment when we <laughs> when we learn that Mutt uh, at the and I did the math. I literally did the math on this at the age of thirty-two, enlisted <laughs> in the U.S. Army and went to Vietnam and was killed in action. It's a very like. Poochie was killed on the way back to his home planet moment. Yeah, like yeah, it doesn't it doesn't make any sense. They should they could have I mean they even they could have had him die, but they could have had him like have a, a death that actually made sense. Like Yeah. Yeah. That was just that felt I don't know. I don't know what that was about. I mean, and it could I mean it could have been any number of things. It could have been, you know, he he's he has a family of his own and he's, you know, got a job in uh, you know france or something it's you know indy being an old guy and you know having a job can't see his family very much or something happened you know there are a million and one things it just felt very very cheap it's like mm-hmm. oh yeah mutt died and <laughs> it, it felt like a very much like a, <laughs> mutt died in vietnam they could have just stuck it at the end of kingdom of the crystal skull for that matter it, it just it feels very very cheap and and then it, it forces this movie to sort of walk around a lot of the same thematic ground of the last one, which is like Indy's there's this great line that Jim Broadbent has in Kingdom of the Crystal Skull where he says, we seem to have reached a point in our lives when life stops giving us things and starts taking them away. And it's this really kind of like dour moment. Indy is sitting at his desk looking at the portraits of his father and Marcus Brody. And, and he's really kind of living in that moment. Life has taken stuff away. Um, and then at the end of that movie, he's actually given things. He's given Marion back. He's given this son that he never knew he had and and sort of this renewed optimism and vigor about life. And then we start this movie and it's gone again. And it, it, it just seems purely for the express purposes of like, we like some of the stuff we did with Kingdom of Crystal Skull, but we know you guys were mad. So now we're going to do it right. And it just feels like the, the same tone we had when in, in the Disney era of Lucasfilm started with like, we're, like Force Awakens, we're going to bring back all the stuff you love about Star Wars. And we're going to get rid of like midi chlorines and Jar Jar Binks. And we're going to go back to Stormtroopers and Skywalkers. And it, it, it just, it feels like, it feels so stolid. It feels so stagnant. And I, I if, the thing I hate though, is that talking about it this way, it feels like I really didn't like Dial of Destiny. I, I kind of yeah. enjoyed it a lot. I thought it was a lot of fun. 
Yeah, I mean, I'm with you too. Like, I think that there are definitely problems with it, but it was like it was a very enjoyable movie. I think people should absolutely watch it because uh, it was it was fun. It did, like I said, it dragged in a few places, but it was definitely fun, and it was like a good fun adventure. Mm-hmm. And Phoebe Waller Bridge was great. She's, she's a character. lot of fun. Yeah, she, she was brought a lot of fun. she brought so much life to the screen, and frankly, just sort of on the the what you were just saying about you know. Indy being kind of a, a grump and I've heard a lot of people complain about this I I don't I didn't have a problem with that in fact that's what I expect Indiana Jones in the late 60s to be yeah. he is a man who in his youth was like like huge right he he did a lot of things and he's very smart and he was like he was kind of you know all of his students loved him and all of that and Mm. i understand that he would feel out of time in the 60s like let's be honest every 80 year old man in the 60s felt out of time that was a dramatic change yeah and so we didn't have to necessarily have him and marion break up and have mutt die for him to be a grumpy old man i think indiana jones even as a happy person in his home life would still be a grumpy old man in (laughs) the 60s (laughs) that's right yeah there's i mean and that's what the one of the things the movie does right is like you see that you have the classroom scene where he's teaching and unlike in the previous movies where it's like students who are like just gobbling up all this wisdom he's it's like people falling asleep and looking out the window longingly to to get out onto the street for this celebration about the uh, the returning Apollo Eleven astronauts. It, it, that I mean, that's that that's the way this would have been in '69. You have this old man obsessed with Archimedes and the the second century, and you know people just landed on the moon. It it you know that's that that sets up its own uh, dynamic too. And just for, for for one last point, one last kind of negative point, John. Well, I mean, I realize John Williams is ninety something years old, but he was phoning it in. <laughs> there was a lot of recycling in this movie. Like this should get like an environmental award for recycling is <laughs> is where I'm going to leave it. <laughs> All right. There we go. Recycling awards delivered. <laughs> but no, it's I think they call those themes and they're meant to return. There there are themes, but there is like straight up photocopying from previous scores. And I say this as someone who is, has like has listened to Indiana Jones scores like on repeat on something called a compact disc. Um, <laughs> Tell me more. <laughs> it just he was lifting entire portions of the Last Crusade and Raider score wholesale and pasting them into Dial of Destiny. I see you, John Williams. I see you. All right, that's the end of the show. Um, <laughs> we'll 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 come back with more cinema sins with John Williams next week. I'm kidding. <laughs> um, if you like the show, you can listen to it again. You can download it from our website every Friday at endcreditsradioshow.com. You can get it on the Guelph Politicast channel on Podbean or through your favorite app like Apple Stitcher, Google TuneIn, and Spotify. Oh wait, Stitcher's gone. I read Phantom Stitcher on my screen there. My bad. Oh, it's not even written there. No, it's not even written. It's just habit. It's crazy. It's muscle memory. Muscle memory on the tongue. And speaking of Spotify, you can find the playlist for much of the music that you hear on End Credits. Just open up Spotify and search for End Credits on CFRU. You can also stay connected to us on social media. 
We're on Facebook at End Credits Radio Show, and we're on Twitter at End Credits Radio. I'll be back here on CFRU tomorrow at 5 p.m. for news and politics with Scotty Hertz over on Open Sources Guelph. You can also find me on Twitter and Instagram at Adam A. Donaldson or check out my news and politics site at guelphpolitico.ca. And Candice, where can people find you out there on the Internet? I can be found everywhere on the Internet at sin48, C-I-N-N-4-8. Um, not really Twitter, though. But if you want to find the other places, just, you know, Google me. <laughs> Alrighty. Uh, and you can stay tuned for more great programming here on CFRU 93.3 FM, CFRU.ca, Guelph Campus and Community Radio. This show, End Credits, will be back here next Wednesday at 3 p.m. for another edition. And we will, of course, see you right there and then. Uh-huh.